You're listening to It's Complicated, doing business during coronavirus, a weekly podcast produced by Atlanta Business Chronicle. I'm Crystal Edmondson. Each week we'll bring you interviews, information, and insight to empower you during these extraordinary times. This week, innovation acceleration, a major side effect of the pandemic. Companies are rolling out new products and services to handle changes in consumer behavior. One of the largest costs, especially for grocery online shopping, is that last mile delivery. So the closer we can get to the consumer itself, the lower we can make that cost. Also, now that the innovation train is rolling, any chance it'll slow down? Now that people are used to them, like they've tried out the innovations, you know, there's no reason really to go back and undigitize. But before we get to all that, here's what's on the economic agenda this week. First, a look at the latest figures for the metro area's housing market. This week, the Atlanta Realtors Association will release its report on March home sales and prices. Sales so far this year have been increasing, up 11 percent between January and February. The median sales price for a single-family home in the metro, $315,000. Second, the Georgia Chamber of Commerce will hold a virtual meeting as part of its business breakfast series. That's on Wednesday at 8 a.m. Chamber President and CEO Chris Clark will give an overview of the Chamber's goals and service to the business community. Third, the Federal Reserve will release its Beige Book Report. It's a gauge of the economy nationwide, but also provides a snapshot of the Fed's 12 districts, including Atlanta. The last report in March showed modest economic expansion across the Atlanta district, which covers much of the southeastern U.S. Of course, to stay up to date with all your local business news, log on to our website, atlantabusinesschronicle.com. Online sales increased 44 percent in 2020. Of course, most of that increase came as we sheltered in place and shopped. Metro Atlanta has benefited by becoming a hub for those big box fulfillment centers, affecting the real estate market, jobs, logistics, you name it. Atlanta-based Domatic is getting a piece of that action, but it's taking a micro approach to fulfilling all those online orders. I caught up with Muhammad Ali Vade, Vice President of Commercial Acceleration for Domatic. We start our conversation talking about what the early days of the pandemic were like for the company. Uh, the first few weeks, obviously, were a bit, bit frantic and, and trying to figure out how everything's going to play out. Uh, but it became pretty clear that, you know, the only way forward um, for for our country and really our, our world is going to be customers are going to have to shop online for their essentials. And uh, businesses are going to have to adapt to that very quickly. Um, and that Dematic was a partner that could help them with that adaptation towards um, online selling. We all are sort of familiar with some of the large fulfillment centers that we've been seeing popping up across Metro Atlanta. Uh, but I understand that Dematic has a micro fulfillment technology that you all specialize in. What does that look like and how does that differ from, from what we're sort of used to seeing? Yeah, so a micro-fulfillment is essentially taking one of those large fulfillment centers and shrinking it down and placing it either in the back of a store or um, connected to a store. Uh, the benefit of that is one of the largest uh, costs, especially for grocery online shopping, is that last-mile delivery. So the closer we can get to the consumer itself, the lower we can make that cost. And um, grocers have an incredible network of physical stores that they can leverage 
uh, for this. So the concept of micro-fulfillment is adding um, automation in the back of a store um, that enables that store to prepare uh, online orders for either uh, home delivery or for curbside pickup in a in a much faster, higher volume, higher, th higher throughput, and lower cycle time basis. So that's what that's that's the micro fulfillment concept. Would a consumer know if their goods were sort of picked and packaged by a robot as opposed to a, a person? These will be somewhat uh, hidden for the customer, right? So they're not when a customer orders uh, from from any uh, any grocer online. And they come up to um, come up to the store to pick it up um, through curbside pickup. Uh, they're not going to necessarily see how their order was picked, uh, whether that was picked by a person walking through the aisles or picked through automation through what we call uh, GTP stations, good, goods to persons uh, automated workstations. You may you may you know drive up to pick up your order at your favorite uh, grocery store location. Um, and not even realize that a micro-fulfillment center was actually used to uh, service your order. Demand is expected to keep up, but what are some of the challenges that you foresee? Building the capacity to deliver on that growth is our, is our primary challenge today. Um, the other challenge I would say is integrating these new technologies or solutions into a existing customer's um, supply chain, right? So um, it's not as simple as putting a micro-fulfillment center in the back of a store, for example. The, the entire supply chain needs to be adapted uh, to, to introduce a new concept like a micro-fulfillment center. And then, you know, operationally, how to make that successful as well. Those are, those are going to be the kind of challenges. I don't think growth is necessarily going to be the challenge, but adaptation and building enough capacity, those are going to be the two challenges that we face in the short to midterm. Adaptation and building capacity will certainly be the focus moving forward, but make no mistake, consumer demand will be a constant, and we'll likely want our packages even quicker. In some European markets, Mohammed says consumers are getting their online orders delivered within the hour. You've heard on this podcast many times how companies had to pivot during the pandemic to stay afloat. Well, that innovation looks different depending on the company and the industry. In the tech sector, it's all about digitization. That's what Atlanta Business Chronicle's Erin Schilling tells me. She covers the technology industry for the Chronicle and Atlanta Inno. I checked in with Erin to get an update on what's new and what's here to stay. I think the biggest thing that we've seen is that there was just this digital acceleration. Like we were already on sort of this path of digitization and, you know, video conferencing and but instead of taking two years to adopt this, companies and consumers had to take two months to adopt it. And so I think a lot of the innovation coming out of the pandemic, you know, had to do with being able to still connect with people, but also sort of like, how can we increase efficiency, especially for industries that might not have been adopting technology as quickly as other industries. So like the trucking industry, I've had a founder tell me that that relied very heavily on cash and check, right? But then that wasn't necessarily possible when you need to social distance or when you didn't want to transmit germs. And so then they produce like an end-to-end -end electronic payments platform. That's a great example of an innovation that could be here to stay. And in fact, are you hearing that some of these tech solutions that evolved and emerged during the pandemic will last post-pandemic once this is all gone? I mean, I think really a lot of them will continue to last if you're looking at 
contactless payments or some of these, you know, more electronic payment processing that came out of the pandemic, it's just more efficient, right? Like it's easier to do, to pull out your phone and scan a QR code and automatically pay for your restaurant bill. And so I think a lot of these things, like now that people are used to them, like they've tried out the innovations, um, you know, there's no reason really to go back to, well, completely like turn around and go the opposite direction and undigitize, you know, like, so we're, cause we're constantly just turning into a more digital world anyway. And the pandemic really just, just, you know, made it a necessary switch. I don't think we're ever going to undigitize. <laughs> no. Uh, and even folks who may have been hesitant or um, resistant, we've been at it for a year. So it's mm-hmm. unlikely. You recently um, did a section on startups to watch. And I'm wondering, um, as a number of companies made that pivot during the last year, as, as a lot of uh, companies did, were there some startups that, that really stood out to you? Yeah. One of them is Relay Payments, which is a financial technology company that is doing the um, electronic end-to-end payments for trucking companies. They raised $43 million in 2020 and demand exploded. They were making this because of the you know digital trend. They were like, this would be more efficient. And the pandemic made it this really, really necessary switch. And so they've been getting a lot of traction. And then another one is more of a social impact startup called Civic Dinners. And it was always sort of a technology-enabled platform. And it allowed for um, communities like nonprofits or local governments or whatever to host small dinner conversations around specific topics. And during the pandemic, they just sort of switched from in-person dinner conversations um, to these virtual conversations. And I think it's just sort of you know, a really necessary tool for companies as well as local government to be able to, you know, sit down and get people's feedback. Getting people's feedback and participation virtually is likely here to stay. But Aaron says what we could see moving forward is a hybrid version of staying connected. Companies might hold a large annual event in person, but then organize monthly or quarterly meetings through video conferences. By now, we all know how to do that. Well, before we go, you might want to mark your calendar for our next virtual event, the Chronicle's Best in Atlanta Real Estate Awards. That's Thursday, April 15th. You can register and find out more information on our website, atlantabusinesschronicle.com. Just click on the Events tab. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Atlanta Business Chronicles podcast. It's complicated doing business during coronavirus. Thanks for listening. I'm Crystal Edmondson. Stay safe, everybody. Oh,